Good morning, Moore Tribe. We're so glad you could join us for our version of Church Online. We hope to bring a piece of our home and authentic atmosphere to wherever you are right now. We miss you all and pray blessings over you and your families. We will be posting more on all of our social media and would love for you to follow, watch, and comment to keep us all connected. Lastly, we want to ask you to please give online to support your church. We couldn't do any of this without you. We appreciate your support, your prayers, and the time you've taken to be with us right now. Good morning, church, and welcome to week number seven of Online Church, and welcome to the month of May. It's May 3rd, and uh, what a great day it is in the Lord. Well, this is the first Sunday of the month, and you know what that means? It's First Fruits Sunday, which means we collect an offering that's over and above our tithe. Uh, it's something we have been doing here for years, and we collect the first fruits, and we give that to uh, ministries or to specific things uh, every month. This month, uh, we've decided to give these first fruits to ministries in our city that are helping people um, that have been the hardest hit in our city, the people that have lost income or you know, there's a lot of children that are not in school, and so they're not getting those school-sponsored meals, and so there's a lot of ministries in our city uh, that are filling in those gaps. Uh, you know, the church here, we have so many great ministries. Axe Community just does a great job in San Jacinto, and Chad continues to meet needs there and has all through this uh, pandemic. But we, and we support Axe uh, with First Fruit offerings regularly. So, but this one is going to go to support ministries that are outside of our church, uh, ministries in our city that we know firsthand are really doing some good. And so we're going to take this offering and we're going to split it up between Catholic Family Services and No Boundaries International and Shaylee's Barbecue and Mobile Harvest from the Food Bank. Those four ministries we know are doing tremendous work in our city during this time when people have been uh, hit so hard. Uh, you can find out more about those things uh, by going, uh, actually by even asking Chad Connor, he can tell you details on that. Uh, there will be more coming out about that uh, later, later on. Uh, let's start with a word of prayer before we get into our study of the book of James. So God, this morning I just come to you and I say, Lord, thank you for uh, this beautiful day. Thank you, God, for uh, letting May come and uh, just another springtime that's just been so wonderful this year. We thank you, God, for your bountiful blessings. We thank you for the promises that springtime offers, God, that things are going to change. And we know, Lord, that this season of this pandemic is going to change. We even see now, God, uh, it beginning to lift, and we thank you for that. And we ask, God, that it would be turned back and that life on earth could well, let's don't say return to normal, Lord. I just say, let it go where you want it to go. Let the lessons of this pandemic be learned. Let the refining that's happened, God, let that be to your glory and to your good. And may your word continue to go forth all over the earth, God, as a result of uh, this time that we've been forced into. And we thank you for that, God. We thank you for turning ugly things into good things. We thank you, Lord, that all things work together for our good. And we know we can trust you in that. I pray for all the people out there today, God, as we share the Word of God right here, that you, Lord, would be teaching them, uh, speaking to them, even if it's something I don't even talk about today. We ask that your Spirit would speak directly to their heart and bring peace and comfort and good news, and may people feel more in love with you when we're through today than they did before we started. I thank you, God, for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well... Governor Abbott, our governor of the great state of Texas, has issued a order that the state's going to reopen. And I know that a lot of people are excited about that, and I know there's a lot of people that aren't excited about that. And um, some people think the state should stay completely closed, and we should continue to isolate, and other people think that it's time for uh, all this to end and for us to get back to life as normal. I also know that regardless of what the state does, uh, there's a lot of people going to stay home. A lot of you are going to stay home regardless. And then there's a lot of you can't wait to get out outside the house. Some of you are ready to go back to work, and some of you are not ready to go back to work. Uh, you know, some are just excited to go and have the surgery that they've had to put off because of this pandemic thing and how they've been doing the hospitals. 
and now they're letting you go back in for elective surgery, and I know a lot of you are going to do that. But I also know there's a lot of people that are afraid to go back in the hospitals uh, just because of uh, fear of this virus. You know, it's, it's funny to me. There's, there's a lot of people I know that are going to wear a mask uh, for weeks and even months. And there's other people who haven't worn a mask at all during this. And there's lots of people that are going to rush right out and get their hair cut and uh, get their nails done and, you know, all the things like that. And then there's a lot of people that probably won't get a haircut until 2021. So, there's, you know, it's all over the board. And I, I just ask this question, who's right? You know, who, who's right in all this? And, and I want to say something that you may not agree with, but I know it to be absolutely true. True, they're both right. They're both right. Look at Romans chapter 14, because God says there are situations where people can be exactly opposite, on opposite ends of thought, and both of them be right at the same time. You know, we have a right to do what we feel God is leading us individually to do. So, you know, the answer to that question um, is that they're both right, and that they have a responsibility before God to do it, to do whatever they do, and to do it in faith. But I think the big question that a lot of people are asking is, when are we going to meet together again as a church? And the answer to that question is simple, because it's the same answer that we have for everything that goes on here at this church. Uh, we will meet together when God leads us, that it's time to meet together. Uh, and, it, and regardless of what when we start meeting again, some are going to think it's too soon, and they're going to continue to stay home, and that's okay. And there's going to be people that think we've waited too long, and we should be doing it uh, already. It doesn't matter. You're going to have people on both sides of the fence. And I'm going to say this about us meeting together. I have to have 100% peace in my heart before we open the doors back up and begin to have congregational meetings again. Uh, some would say, well, just, let's just meet, and if people don't want to come, they can stay home. And that sounds simple, but the truth is, it's not so simple when you think about staff. Uh, we have a lot of people that work here, and because of your generosity and your giving through this, we have made a commitment to pay these people, and they've been being paid all through this, and so we thank you for your faithful support. Uh, so when we open the doors, uh, I expect them to be at work, and they don't have a choice. So some can stay home if they don't choose to, but, you know, staff does it. And so I have to have uh, the staff's health in mind whenever we decide to open these doors back up. I'll tell you this, my goal is to not let fear ever affect my decision either way and definitely not let peer pressure affect my decision-making. Colossians 3.15 says this, let the peace of God rule in your heart. And to me, that's one of the most powerful verses because the peace of God is the barometer for all of us that are children of God. The peace of God. When you make a decision, you should have 100% peace. Your decision should never be based because you're afraid of something or afraid not to do something or because you feel pressured to do something or someone pressures you into doing something you're not comfortable doing. The deal is you should have peace about every decision that you make. I will tell you this, one thing is for sure, at Moore and really at church in general, judgment has no place among God's people. No place. There's only one judge, and it's not me and it's not you, it's the Lord. And so we'll leave judgment up to God. In fact, as we go into the book of James today, and we're going to be looking at several scriptures out of James, I'm going to talk about that very thing. I'm going to talk about the goal of our life is peace. That's the goal, God's peace. And judgment is never associated with peace. James 4.11 says this, Dear friends, as a part of God's family, never speak against another family member. For when you slander a brother or a sister, you violate God's law of love. You know, regardless of when we meet or when we don't meet, no matter if we agree or we don't agree, our job remains the same, and it's to love our neighbor as ourself. You see, that's doing the word. James has so much to say in here about when you're in a time of trial, when you're in a time of pressure and you're under you know, stress, it's a time for you to do the word of God. The word of God should become very active in our life. And he says that doing the word of God 
can be summed up in one command, and we know it is to love our neighbor as ourselves. You know, when James wrote these words, uh, they were under intense persecution. And there were people that were uh, hiding. We've, you know, we know that they found physical evidence, archaeological evidence of catacombs that Christians hid in uh, to escape that persecution. But there were also people, it tells us in Hebrews, who actually chose to be martyred because they wanted a better resurrection. So there were, even in James's time, there were people on both sides. Some were hiding uh, from the authorities so they wouldn't get persecuted. Some were walking down the street declaring Christ, and they wanted to be martyred because they wanted a better resurrection. So James wrote these words. He said, don't speak against another family member. We're all part of the same family of God, and don't slander them because it violates God's law of love, and that is what we're called to do is love one another regardless. So when we do get back together, if someone stays home, I don't want anybody judging them. If someone comes here and they want uh, life to return to normal, I don't want anybody judging them. We're just going to love each other regardless of which side of the fence that we're on. Well, let's continue to look at the book of James. James gives us a lot of encouragement. And this thing has drug on now, this uh, pandemic isolation. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been inconvenient. We talked about that last week. But, you know, James has some very practical things to say about enduring during a time of trial. And he talked about how to find peace in the midst of that trial. And that's our goal today, is to find God's peace. So let's look in James chapter 5. James chapter 5 is the last chapter of the book of James. So this is one of his final encouragements to us as a church. One of his final encouragements uh, to us that are going through trial. He says this, James chapter 5 verse 11. We give great honor to those that endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance, and you can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. What is James saying here? He's saying, yes, we honor those that endure the suffering, but he also at the end of that verse talks about we can see how the Lord was kind to Job after everything Job had gone through, God gave him back such multiple blessings. You see, for us to find peace in the midst of the trial, one of the first things we need to realize is that when we find peace, we should also find hope. I I know there's been a lot of doom and gloom talk, a lot of prognosticators out there talking about, uh, you know, after this is over that there could be a big recession or a big depression. Uh, I heard some real doom and gloom stuff. I just want to say this. I'm believing this word that after this thing passes, that the Lord is going to be very kind to us and we're going to receive bountiful blessing as a result of enduring this trial in a godly way. We must have that hope in our heart that it goes with that peace of God. You know, we have a young man in our church. His name is Silas Young. He's seven years old. And Silas is such a unique young man. And uh, his parents told me that uh, he has prophetic dreams. He has sometimes just prophetic utterances that are uh, way beyond his years of seven years old. Uh, he came to his dad the other day, Justin Young, and he said, Dad, God told me something. And God told me that we are to endure the coronavirus, but after, that, after it's over, we're going to have seven years of plenty. Now, when I heard that word, I told Justin, I said, well, I, I would like to share that word with the church. And he gave me permission And the reason I wanted to share it is because I knew this verse I was going to talk about today was talking about hope. And I believe that what young Silas is saying is a prophetic word, and I believe it's absolutely true. I don't know if you know this, but a seven-year-old has the same Holy Spirit that a 77-year-old has. And Silas hears God just like we hear God. And so I believe that this is a credible word. I do believe that the economy is going to come roaring back, and I don't believe it's going to go into depression But regardless, our job never changes uh, as children of God. God's given us this example out of James of Job. He he went through terrible things, terrible things. Sometimes people go through real uh, seasons of trial because they lose a loved one. You know, Job lost 10 in one day, 10 children in one day. Some people go into terrible times... uh, a, you know, trial with losing a job. They lose a job and, and their income is affected negatively. 
Well, I just want to say this. Job was super rich. And in one day, he was dirt poor. You talk about the stock market falling out. I mean, Job experienced from the very top of the mountain to the very bottom of the mountain all in one day. Some people are victims of crime, and it, it really affects them negatively and you know, emotionally, and, and uh, it's, a, it's a time of trial to get past that, you know, being a victim of crime. Job was a victim of crime over and over again. And it was, it was, it was just horrible what he had to suffer through. And then finally, the loss of health. Many people deal with uh, health issues, and it's long-term, and they, they live in pain, and, and I, I feel for that. But, you know, that Job, this example of Job is Job had lost all his health. He was hurting all the time. You know, we get that picture of him scraping his sores with this piece of pottery. It was a horrible thing. He's given to us as an example of extreme trial. It's an extreme trial. The reason that this, I believe, that the story of Job's in the Bible is because no matter what we're going through, you can read about Job, and it's never quite that bad. But Job was a man that endured under suffering. He had great endurance. And that's the word that James is saying, that we should find that great endurance like Job did. You see, Job, he had the same temptations that we do. He had the same temptations to get angry at the situation. You know, but he knew that anger wouldn't help anything. I mean, he had temptations to be angry at, at people around him. He, you know, he kind of got angry at his wife. He got angry at his friends. And then later, he even got angry at God. He certainly was angry at the situation. But he had to get out of that anger. If you read the book of Job, and you read it carefully, and you read what progression he went through, he had to get past the anger and come to a place of peace. He found a place of peace in himself. And then he found a place of peace with God, and the blessings came into his life. There's a lot of people that say, oh, when this is over, then they can find peace. I just want to say this. If you're waiting for everything in the world to get to a great place so you can find peace and, and have a loving heart, you're going to wait a long time. Because as long as this world is spinning, there's something bad, difficult times happen. And I'm not trying to be a doom and gloomer. I'm just saying that's just the way things are. Difficult times, difficult seasons come. If you live long enough, you will probably utter the, utter the words, that's just not fair. It's just not fair. There's many things happen to us that just aren't fair, just like with Job. And you have that temptation to get angry, angry at the situation, angry at the people around you. You know, I know there's been a lot of pressure in the homes, people just having to be together so much. And there's a lot of tendency to get tempted to be angry or irritable at the people we're with all the time. Well, James is a great book. And I, I talked about anger last week, but I really felt like I needed to go a little deeper. And so we're going to go back to those verses that I talked about last week, James 1, 19 and 20. And we're going to drill into those just a little bit. And we're going to see the practical advice that James gives on how we can deal with anger. You know, because anger is never the answer, regardless of what we're going through. James 1, 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. This, this is, these are tremendous verses, <clears throat> because they are so practical. And, and James says, this is how you deal with anger. He gives us three things, and you see them right there. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Number one, when you have a temptation to get angry at someone, listen. You know, the old adage, you have two ears and one mouth, so you should listen twice as much as you speak. And I believe that's true, and it's so true when it comes to anger. You know, when you have a temptation to be angry, you need to stop and listen. Listen to what someone has to say. If you really want to make someone mad, that you, if you have a difference of opinion and you really want to make them mad, just refuse to listen to them. They want to explain themselves, just refuse to listen to them. It will escalate anger faster than anything. Listening is the number one thing that we need to remember to do whenever we're tempted to get angry. Last week, I don't know if you noticed this, some of you didn't because you didn't have any trouble, but last week, you know, we had technical difficulties and we couldn't, 
uh, get the service to play on. Many people couldn't get it to play on, online. And when I got up, I, I was going to watch church, and I turned it on, and it, it didn't work. And I got a little upset. You know, I was like, oh, my goodness, you know, this is not working. And so I immediately was calling Matt and Amber, and, and I could feel this temptation a little bit to be angry. And I was like, okay, I don't know anything, so how can I be angry? I stopped myself and said, I don't know enough to even be angry. And so I didn't get angry. And, and when I talked to Matt and Amber, and I realized that they had had trouble, and they'd been up till 5 in the morning trying to get it resolved, and they thought they did, and they didn't, I mean, it changed my whole point of view. I had to listen before I could allow anger to come up in my heart. If I had allowed anger to just come out of me, and if I just spewed a bunch of stuff because I thought I had the right to do it, I could have damaged a relationship that's so important to the church, to the Lord, to me. Anger is something we have to learn to deal with. And the second thing he says is after you are quick to listen, you should be slow to speak. Let me just say it this way. Think before you say something. Try to understand. Because when we speak before we think, before we know what we're talking about, and we speak out of anger and out of an under... You know, when we speak out of anger and we're not speaking from understanding, we're going to say something that um, we regret. I, I think a good thing to do right here is think before you speak, is ask yourself why you're angry. Why is this making me angry? Sometimes when you find the source of your anger, it, it's so funny. You find out, well, I'm hungry. Uh, the kids are screaming in the back room and it, it's making me nervous. You know, I didn't sleep well last night. There's so many things that can affect your mood. And you're, sometimes you're not even angry at the person that you feel anger against. It's really a sort, the source is somewhere else. So this is good advice. Be quick to listen, then slow to speak. Analyze why you feel the way you feel. Why does this make me so angry? I don't get it. And number three is slow to become angry. You see, number one and number two, listening and thinking before you speak, are speed bumps before you get angry. They're speed bumps. They're intended to slow you down. Slow you down. So when we're aware of our source of anger, it slows us down. But I just want to say this. There's a lot of people that live with this smoldering anger inside of them. And sometimes it's nothing more than the environment that they choose to continually live in. You know, whenever you start to analyze your source of your anger, sometimes you might realize that listening to talk radio all day or some sort of radio pod or podcast or something that's making you angry or paranoid or feel pressured or afraid, all of those things can, lend in, you know, can get you into a place where you could be angry. You know, maybe that's not the healthiest thing for you to do. Maybe playing the news is not the healthiest thing for you to do. If it's making you angry, maybe there's certain people that you're around and they are con you know, constantly speaking things inside of you that can cause you to be fearful or angry. I'll just say this practically. I think sometimes you just need to turn off the TV. I know a lot of people just as soon as they get up in the morning and even when they go to bed at night, they have the TV on. Nobody's watching it. It's just all the time. It's talking, talking, talking. Do you, I, I, want you, I want you to realize something. Everything that's coming through those broadcasts is, is not good. Some of it is actually very bad. And sometimes it can cause you to be angry and you won't even know why. 1 John 5.19, we know that we are of God. That's, he's talking about children of God. And that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. John's talking here about two different worlds. He's talking about that God's children should be influenced primarily by God, by the Holy Spirit of God. Because the world is primarily influenced by the enemy, by the devil. Isn't it interesting that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, that this phrase is used to describe the devil? In Ephesians 2, it says, the devil is the prince of the power of the air. Where do those broadcast come from that are spewing through your TV all day long? Where do those things come from, from you know, that are coming that are so negative? 
that you're hearing, it's, it's coming through the air. And if the enemy is the prince of the power of the air, it, 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 I think that one of the ways that he keeps the world under his sway, under his influence, is that there's this constant uh, bombardment on people's minds and on their hearts that is really influenced from a very dark place. I would just say to you, be slow to anger because you never know what's prompting that. You know, Galatians 5.22 and 23, if I said that out loud, immediately a bunch of you would know that that's the list of God's Holy Spirit's fruit. Uh, the, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, that's what people call it. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is peace. Now, do you happen to know where the fruit of the unholy spirit is listed? It's right above it. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 lists 17 fruits of unholy spirits. You know, one of God's fruit of the spirit, and there's nine of them listed, is peace. And one of the fruit of the unholy spirit is outbursts of anger. These are counterparts. You know, whenever Jesus said that we would be full of the Holy Spirit, he said, out of you will flow rivers of living water. It meant that if you love, there will be, you'll never run out of love. If you have peace, there's just a tremendous amount of peace no matter what you're going through. It's an endless supply of the fruit of the Spirit. Well, I just want to say it works in the, in the negative and in the darkness just like it works in the light. You know, anger doesn't run out. Anger is not a limited supply. If we give in to a spirit of anger, it only can go and grow and grow. And the reason is, is because anger is not just an emotion. Anger is a spirit. Now, I'm not telling you every single time that you have a temptation to be angry that you're under the influence of the spirit of anger. I'm just saying that, you know, anger is a spirit, and if we give in to it, it can be very dangerous and deadly. And because it's a spirit, anger is progressive, anger is aggressive, and anger is very contagious. You know, unbridled anger will always get worse. Some people say, well, I just have to get it out. I just, I just have to get the anger out and then I'll be fine. Well, you may feel better whenever you do that, but I can tell you this, you haven't made things better. Anger is progressive. It will always get worse. Last week I talked about how interesting it's been to see the, you know, the dark spiritual progression or digression of this pandemic and how it's affecting the world, that the spirit's released in the world. You know, it started with denial, and it's almost like a spirit of rebellion there. You know, Then it went into panic and fear. Then it went into blame and accusation. And now we seem to be in this season where there's just a whole lot of anger, a whole lot of anger. You know, the people that are isolating, they're angry at the people that aren't isolating, and the people that aren't isolating are angry at the people that are isolating. There just seems to be a lot of tension and anger in the air. And you know, to release that only makes it worse. Because the next digression or progression, whichever way you want to look at it, in that whole thing is anger will always progress into violence. Expressing anger does not get rid of your anger. You know, it just won't. I'm, I'm not saying you should stuff it, because I think that's unhealthy as well, but I'm saying you should deal with it. <laughs> we should learn to deal with our anger. Everyone's tempted to have anger. Psalm 4.4 says this, Don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. Remember, anger is a spirit, not just an emotion. It's looking to control you. That's what it does. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. But in the enemy's camp, he doesn't want you to have self-control. He wants to take control. And whenever we give in to the anger, when we express our anger, we may not realize it, but what we're doing is we're agreeing with that spirit. And we begin to even say things that agree with that accusing, lying, fearful, angry spirit. It doesn't make things better at all. 
The next thing is that anger is very aggressive. You know, it's not passive at all. Anger is aggressive. And uncontrolled anger gets worse and worse and worse. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but I've noticed it, that if I get angry and I get loud, whoever I'm angry at, they get louder. That's because it's aggressive. It, 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 it's, it, it pulls out, you know, from each other. It, it, it draws it out of each other. James 4.1. James says that, you know, this is probably a, a very natural response to uh, what happens when we're under stress, when we're in times of trial, when it's very tense. He says in James 4.1, what's causing these quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from evil desires that war within you? He's just spelling this out so clearly. It's like there's a battle going on inside. You know, that spirit of anger wants to take control. God's spirit speaking peace. God's spirit speaking forgiveness. God's spirit is speaking wisdom. Yet the spirit that wants to control is angry. It keeps yelling out. It's this warring. This isn't fair. You have a right to be angry. It's not fair. You know, there's part of us inside We just say, I'm not getting what I want. And my natural response is anger, even though that won't get you what you want, ever. Anger and irritability. You know, they really should be warning lights. Warning lights, like a dashboard on a car. You know, the oil light comes on in your car, and you know something's wrong, and you pull over because you know if you keep going, your engine's, your engine's going to blow up. So you pull over. It's a warning light. And whenever you see irritability and anger come up inside of you, you need to slow down so you don't explode. It's a warning sign. I mean, we all are tempted to do it, but we know how to deal with it. God's Word tells us how to deal with it. James 4.1, you know, where are these quarrels and fights coming from? They're evil desires that are at war within you, within you. You see, we can't blame what's out in the world for the way we feel inside. Children of God are of God. We are primarily influenced by the Spirit of God, not by the Spirit of the world. And so we can't say, well, you know, in this situation I have a right. The truth is, no, you're, you're to have peace that passes understanding. You're to have peace in any situation. Anger originates out of your hurts and your jealousies and your fears and pressure. But the battle isn't out there. The battle's in here. There's healing for that. God's Spirit wants to heal you. Letting it out only makes it worse. You have to learn to deal with it. So anger is progressive. Anger is aggressive. And last, anger is contagious. I mean, it's more contagious than this virus. I promise you that. Anger is very contagious. I know in my life that, you know, doing what I do for a living, and sometimes I'm in a meeting, in meetings with people, and they're not comfortable, and I'll hear things, and so, you know, I have a tendency to, it makes me a little bit mad. And I have to be very careful if I get angry, or if I have a tendency or a temptation to be angry, if I come home, and I just spell it all out to Wendy, and I just lay it all out, guess what? She joins me in my anger. I don't want her to do that. It's contagious. You know, some people just want to share their anger, so other people will share their anger with them. I just want to say, you're really, you're, you're, you're spreading a spirit you know not of. It does not do any good for people to be angry with you, for them to pick up the offense with you. Expressing anger just creates more anger because it's so contagious. You know, when you get angry with somebody, they're just going to get angry right back. Because they catch it. Proverbs 22, 24 through 25 says this. Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people or you will learn to be like them. Wow. It says not to even associate with those people because it's so contagious that you'll, you'll end up catching it. Now, my question becomes... Are you that kind of person that the Bible says to stay away from? Are you a person that's so angry that nobody needs to be around you because you just spew that stuff all day long and all you want to do is just make other people as mad as you are? Well, if you are that kind of person, I just want to say this to you. You don't have to be. You don't have to be. 
Some of you think you were born that way or everybody in your family is angry and that's just the way you are. I'm just going to say to you, that's a lie. There's not a person in the world that can't learn to deal with their anger. God's told us that. You may be very angry, you may be very hurt, you may be very broken inside, but God brings healing. He's a loving God that deals with real people and real problems and real situations, and He wants to heal you. He doesn't want you to be angry. He wants you to be at peace. The goal of our life with God is to live with peace and let the peace of God rule our hearts. The peace of God rule our homes. That when people walk into our homes, they, could, they should feel his peace and not tension and strife. James 3.18, and I'm going to end with this verse. James 3.18, people who work for peace in a peaceful way get the blessings that come from right living. People that work for peace in a peaceful way get the blessing that comes from doing the right thing. What's that blessing? That blessing is wisdom. That blessing is wisdom. You know, I don't know everyone that's hearing me speak today, but I can tell you this. If you walk around with anger in your heart and you spew that anger regularly, you're not walking in wisdom. God's wisdom comes from a... a, Soil of peace. God's wisdom comes from a place of perfect rest and faith. That's where it comes from. And that's where he wants us to be. He wants us to be a people that work for peace. That actively do something to bring peace to every situation. And we will walk in wisdom. So what I'm going to do here today, and we do this pretty often in our church, we're going to pray at the end of the service, and I'm just going to pray for an impartation of God's Spirit over your life. And I'm going to pray that God would bless you with the fruit of his Holy Spirit and that the fruit of his Spirit would become the primary fruit that's in your life. So if you would, just join me in this time of prayer. Just put yourself in a place where you can receive from God um, and just let God's Spirit minister to you as I pray this prayer uh, over us all today. Father, we just come to you now, Lord, and humbly say, We need you. We're human, God. We live in this world, and we have a tendency to get angry over the silliest things, God. And Lord, we know that you've made provision for us to be able to deal with this anger, God. And so we're just submitting to you and ask for your wisdom to just come and invade our life. And God, we ask that the spirit that operates inside of us and around us and on us is your spirit, God. That there be no other spirit operating in our life except yours. And so, Father, I pray for your people today. I pray for all of those that are hearing my voice. And I pray, God, that your love would just begin to fill their heart, that endless supply of love, God. Help them to love their children. Help them to love their spouse. Help them to love their friends. And then, God, even help them to love those that they don't like at all. And, Father, I pray that your joy will begin to fill people, that they would feel that deep, contented delight inside their heart that it would always be there and they could always find it and father that your peace your peace that passes understanding and god we just pray right now that your peace would just flood into the hearts the minds we speak to the minds and the hearts that are listening today and we say peace be still any storm that's raging in anyone's life any anything that's raging in their heart i pray i just speak peace over it And ask that your peace that passes understanding would begin to just flood their heart. And even in their home right now. Peace over their children. Peace over their mind. I pray, Father, for your patience to come. That you would make us patient people. We know from reading your word in James that patience has a perfect work. And you're working that in us even today. And Father, we just pray that you fill us with kindness and goodness and gentleness. Kindness, goodness, gentleness. And finally, Father, we just pray for 
faithfulness to come into our heart and in our mind. That we would be faithful to you, God. We would be faithful to you to follow your spirit and no other spirit. That we would be faithful, God, in the way that we live. We'd be faithful to our spouses. We'd be faithful to our friends. We'd be faithful to our church and to all our friends at the church. God, we thank you. We thank you that you want to plant these things in us. And lastly, God, I pray that everyone out there could receive self-control. Self-control. Father, we know that you don't take control. That's not the way you operate, but you give us self-control. And I thank you for that, God, because I thank you that your spirit guides me, but that you so respect my free will. Father, may I use my free will to honor you and to glorify you in everything I do. I thank you, God, for those that are out there anywhere in the world that are hearing this. I pray, Lord, that you would bless them with just spiritual blessing beyond measure. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. See you guys next week. Hey, everyone. Um, good morning. We're so glad that you're watching today. And, um, we just want to say that we miss you guys so much. And uh, it's nice to see these faces still in here. <laughs> um, we hope that you're having a good week. And uh, we're really excited to just worship tonight even though it's tonight for us, but you're watching it in the morning. But um, we're just excited to worship, and um, it was fun practicing. And so I just pray right now that the Lord's presence is with you and that you feel joy this morning and that you feel his love because that's what our set list is all about today. And so God, just pour out your love on everyone. God, that's the banner that you have over us already, and I just pray, Lord, that we would feel it, that we would know it and that we would stand in that promise, and we love you so much, and we just worship you right now.
goes on forever Your love will lead us on Love it is our honor
children and their children and their children. May His presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. He is with you. He is with you in the morning, in the evening, in your coming, in your going, in your weeping and rejoicing. He is for you. He is for you. Oh.
Never be through. 